Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. Hey there, it's Rachel Corbett here. It's been a little while since I've jumped into your ears and my goodness, haven't things changed in the world? Hopefully you are safe and with people you love and keeping in contact with those who you can't be near. If you were going through assisted fertility before everything happened uh, with COVID-19 and things have been put on hold for you, I hope you're doing okay. If you're going through it at the moment and your sort of mind's blown about everything that's happening right now, then hang in there. Things will get better. I wanted to jump into your ears because our wonderful fertility specialist, Manuela Toledo, who joined us for this podcast series, joined the team on the quickie to talk about exactly what a global pandemic means for you if you are currently in treatment or thinking about starting your family through assisted fertility. We thought that it might be helpful for you in this time. So take a listen. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to the quickie, getting you up to speed daily. Back on March 25, a member of the Mamma Mia Outlouders group on Facebook asked whether it was true that IVF is now on hold in Australia due to the COVID-19 coronavirus. We've also received messages from women worried about how the virus would affect their pregnancies and birth process. To be honest, right now is a bit of a confusing time for both of these groups. And for some, it also might be a sad realisation that motherhood may not end up being what they imagined. I feel like COVID-19 has kind of made the decision for me that I'm probably going to just be the world's greatest auntie from here on in. Them telling me that my partner might not be there with me through the labouring process and even potentially the days after when the twins are here, that was pretty rattling. Today, we're going to look at pregnancy during the time of COVID-19, sort the facts from the fiction and find out whether your decision to have a family will be affected by the coronavirus in 2020 and maybe even beyond. Having a baby in 2020 has gotten a hell of a lot more complicated. On March 25, our Prime Minister Scott Morrison made this announcement. All elective surgery other than Category 1 and urgent, I stress very urgent Category 2 cases, will be suspended. The idea is to allow more medical supplies to be channelled into the fight against the COVID-19 coronavirus and away from non-urgent surgery. The government also brokering an agreement that would see private hospitals enter the coronavirus fight, allowing public sector use of wards and theatres and essential equipment such as ventilators. It will bring over 105,000 full and part-time hospital staff, including 57,000 of our amazing nurses and midwives. It guarantees them their future and their support both during the crisis and beyond. But most importantly, it brings their resources to the fight against coronavirus, COVID-19 in Australia. But that elective surgery ban also means a ban on elective fertility treatments like IVF. Sarah hasn't had the opportunity to start a family yet, but as she approaches her 40th birthday, she had plans to go it alone. 
I had been setting all sorts of deadlines around my 40th birthday with deciding whether to have a baby or not on my own. I'm single. And I'd kind of decided to pursue having a baby on my own with my friend who lives in London. So my plan was going to be sometime this year to go to London and see if we could make that work. And now that seems like an impossibility around the time that my fertility is like really running out the door. So I feel like COVID-19 has kind of made the decision for me that I'm probably going to just be the world's greatest auntie from here on in. It hasn't quite hit me yet. It's just a, it's a really weird time. So what does this mean for women like Sarah? And what about those who are already undergoing IVF treatment? Dr. Manuela Toledo is a fertility specialist at Melbourne IVF. Dr. Toledo, what exactly does this mean for IVF treatment? Does it just stop completely? Well, at the moment, we still have patients coming through IVF. They are patients who are already in an IVF cycle and are going to be able to complete their cycles. Following on from that, though, in the next few weeks, we're really going to see a bit of a pause while we step back and just look at what the situation is with the pandemic in Australia and around the world. So those people who are in the middle of a cycle, they will be able to fully complete that cycle, but the next one might be in question. Exactly. So our expectation is that people in cycle now will be completing their cycles in the next week or two. We're trying not to start new patients on IVF cycles for fear of a possible interruption. So I think in April we'll see a bit of a lag and a bit of a pause in IVF. Does this mean the end of the road for some women who are looking to start a family? We have some women who have to do IVF now, so women having onco-fertility treatment, pre-chemo or radiotherapy. We also have some women who are a little bit older and really need to try and complete their IVF treatment this year, but we don't anticipate that the pause in IVF will be that long. What advice would you give to women, firstly to those who are in IVF or who were looking to start IVF, what advice would you give those women? I have multiple phone calls a day, as you can imagine, speaking to these women. And a lot of them are very anxious because they want to start IVF treatment now. And we're not used to delaying. When we want to do something, we're used to getting on with it and starting. My advice is please, please stay as healthy as you can. Everyone should have the flu vaccine because there's some immunomodulation that may be helpful with influenza, obviously, but also possibly with COVID-19. There is some very early evidence suggesting that maybe the flu vaccine in IVF patients does lead to better outcomes in terms of pregnancy rates. And that's very preliminary data that we're trying to follow up on at the moment. Please stay healthy. A lot of my patients tell me now that they're working from home. They are drinking a little bit more alcohol and they are sneaking in that cigarette and maybe they're not taking their multivitamin with folic acid every day. But please try and stay healthy. Don't let your lifestyle slip and moderate low-level exercise. So we're saying 30 minutes two or three times a week. Even if it's indoor, that's fine. So try and stay fit for pregnancy, stay fit for IVF and the baby down the track. What if you're already pregnant? How is coronavirus affecting you? Tessa is expecting twins in August and says it's thrown her birth plan into a bit of confusion. It's a bit of a tricky one for me with the twins. My due date is just something official because they don't expect me to quite get that far. But I deliberately, in my mind, didn't commit to too much of a birth plan because 
I think I'd be singing myself out for Valia because it's just such a moving situation at the moment, especially with the twins. So I've just kind of tried to stay really open-minded. But I never really considered that my husband not being with me would have to be part of that moving part. Talk to me about that. When did that discussion start to occur and how did your doctors bring it up with you? I live in a pretty remote part of New South Wales, so I have to travel into Victoria, actually, from New South Wales to see my obstetrician. And he was pretty calm about it. He wasn't too worried, but they did stop me from taking Ben into the appointment with me there, which I wasn't too worried about. But when I checked in with my GP here at home, she just started a conversation with me around my mental health and that I probably should be mentally preparing for worst case scenario, which would mean that I'd be laboring and in the hospital pretty much alone. So she sort of said, it could get that bad, we don't know yet, but I want you to be mentally preparing yourself for that possibility. And either way, it's going to be a much more lonely birth for you, regardless of what they actually end up doing. How does that make you feel that I mean is are these your first babies they are my first babies yeah never been pregnant before um first time pregnancy I mean I can understand my mum and dad and those sorts of things not being allowed into the hospital and that kind of stuff is sad but easier to overcome whereas with them telling me that potentially my partner and seeing it in New York and places going to happen Telling me that Ben might not be there with me through the labouring process in the birthing suite and potentially the days after, that was pretty rattling because it's important for me, it's important for the twins and it's really important for Ben too. Like He's a first-time father and for him to miss out on all of that experience and learning and bonding with them is really sad for me. They told you to mentally prepare for that. How do you mentally prepare for that? I don't think that you can especially in my situation where I've never given birth before. It's it's pretty confronting, to be honest. I really don't know. But I guess the opportunity that it's not just ripped out from underneath me. I mean, my babies aren't due until very early August. So they'll be out in July. So like, there's a lot of variables in between now and then. So let's get some facts straight about pregnancy and this virus. Dr Toledo, do we have any evidence that mums could pass it on to unborn children? And what are the risks of newborns getting it? That's a really good question and obviously a big concern and, and there's been only very recent research looking at this. But the good news, especially out of China, is that there doesn't seem to be mother-baby in utero transmission. It is possible to transmit the virus after birth to your baby and so precautions need to be taken. There's also been no virus found in breast milk, so breastfeeding is still encouraged. I guess you would still have to be careful with premature babies. They often, their lungs aren't developed as well as what a full-term baby is. So I'm presuming there'll be extra precautions around preemie babies? Oh, look, premature babies have a lot of challenges anyway. And the last thing we want is for them to catch a respiratory illness of any kind, including COVID-19. And they are quite isolated in their cribs and only have mum and dad visiting at the most. So what you will see in a lot of the neonatal and maternity hospitals is that we are cutting down on the number of patients and support people coming in to visit to not expose those visitors to the virus potentially and a hospital environment, but also to protect the patients. You mentioned dads a second ago. We're hearing a lot of stories of women who are currently pregnant being told to mentally prepare for dad to not be allowed in the delivery room or even in the ward with mum for the first couple of days. Is that actually happening? 
So at the moment, most of the maternity hospitals are allowing one support person with the patient in labour and afterwards. We do want that support person obviously to be healthy and not be COVID-19 positive. If they are positive, then special precautions need to be taken both for the mother and the newborn baby and the staff involved as well. But where possible, we're trying to allow a support person in. And my understanding at this point in time in Australia, support people are coming in. One support person per pregnant woman is coming in for the labour and delivery. So that could change down the track though? Hopefully not. I think at the moment we're in a slightly better position here in Australia than in Europe, for instance, and we really rely on patients also being very upfront. So if patients or their support people do have any symptoms or are unwell, we really rely on them telling us that so that we can put in place proper precautions. The other good news thing is that it doesn't seem to change the mode of delivery. So women who've been COVID positive have still had normal vaginal deliveries The caesarean section rate is the same. It hasn't increased in these patients. What advice would you give to pregnant women right now? What do they need to know? It's a really difficult time for everyone, but especially pregnant women. And one thing we have to remember is that when you're pregnant, we don't want you to catch anything. We don't want you to get food poisoning, gastroenteritis, influenza, We want you to stay away from people with a cough or rash or people who are unwell. I mean, that's general advice anyway. So we would strongly recommend that pregnant women self-isolate as much as possible, limit the number of people you're in contact with, just like the rest of us are doing at the moment. The good news is that if you are unlucky enough to catch COVID-19, your outcome won't be worsened compared to non-pregnant women. So I think We need to be reassured that most of the women around the world who were pregnant and caught COVID-19 actually had very, very good outcomes, as did their babies. Dr Toledo wants all women currently wondering about their IVF or pregnancy journey to know that while some procedures might be off the cards right now, fertility specialists haven't just all gone on a break. They're standing by to take calls or video conference with you if you need advice on how to handle your path to a family right now. And they can help you put plans in place for what can happen post-COVID-19. And for those who are expecting a delivery while we're all still in isolation, we here at The Quickie wish you a swift, relatively painless, stress-free delivery with dad or whoever your chosen birth partner is present to welcome them into the world. And on a final note, Tessa says even though twins in India were recently named COVID and Corona to honour the time in which they were born, she won't be following suit. I don't think I'll be naming them after anything COVID-related. I think we'll leave that one lie and let them move on from that. That's all for The Quickie today. Thanks to our producer, Melanie Tate, and audio producer, Ian Camilleri. And if you're interested in all things fertility, why not check out our Mamma Mia podcast, Get Me Pregnant? You might not be able to start a round of IVF right now, but it might just help you prepare for when this is all over. So check out Get Me Pregnant in your favourite podcast app now.